This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Hi, I'm Ben. Pa-rum-pa-pa-pum, my babies. Uh, my name is Noel. And we are joined, as always, in spirit with our super producer, Casey Pegram. Today, we'd like you to give it up for our guest super producer, our returning guest super producer, yeah. J.J. Posway. Hey, <laughs> Posway for the causeway. There we go. Uh, Noel. No, ben. you you and I are uh, you and I are going to be on the road a lot as we go toward this uh, lovely Halloween season. I am super pumped. This is my most favorite time of the year. Uh, you know, in theory, the leaves are falling. There are cool, strange winds blowing. It's very Ray Bradbury, something wicked this way comes esque. Sure. Except now it's 90 degrees outside. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, I feel like uh, we're in perma-summer. Do you think it's going to be like there's going to be just rotting jack-o'-lanterns out in the streets, just like crushed from the heat? Is this the new normal? This might be the new normal, Ben, which is about as scary as it gets. Yeah, and it makes me identify strongly with all of our Australian listeners out there. Have uh, You know, what... What temperature is it usually around the holidays for you in Australia? Is it hot? Is it unseasonably so? Like one time I was in Florida during the Christmas season or the, you know, Hanukkah holiday season, and uh, I just couldn't get into it, man. It was just too hot. 
I, I need some I need some chill here. Anyway, despite the fact that the temperature doesn't agree with us or hasn't gotten the memo yet, we are full on into fall, and I am going to embrace it. I'm going to chase it, and I think uh, I might have a weird idea for a costume. What do you think about a drummer boy? Yeah, would you have like like the full on the whole nine like with the with the, the snare, snare drum, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the shoulder straps, mm-hmm. and the yeah, do yeah. your rudiments, practice your rudiments. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. rudiments? I remember rudiments. I would also do some paradiddles. Paradiddles and rudiments. Yeah. So <laughs> we're asking this question for a reason because today's story takes us to the Civil War. Uh, it takes us to the adventures of someone known as the drummer boy of Chickamauga. His name is John Clem, and he was a 12-year-old who became a Civil War hero. There's a lot to unpack in that sentence, right? That's right, Ben. He fought with the 22nd Michigan Regiment at Horseshoe Ridge. That's hard to say. Horseshoe. Horseshoe. That's really tough. I don't know why I'm having a hard time with that word, but, but I'm going I'm to get through it. I'm going to say it many more times in this episode. Um, but he had nothing um, to arm himself but his drum. Very important. And a uh, basically the equivalent of, of what you'd consider a sawed-off shotgun today, which is pretty baller if you ask me. Yeah, sawed-down musket, mm-hmm. so uh, sacrificed some accuracy there. Close combat, though, right? Mm, one would imagine so. This was a very, very bloody war. As we've pointed out previously, I'm always startled that we still call it the Civil War. There's not Mm-mm. a damn thing civil about it. Let's look at where Clem comes from. So he was born in Ohio on August 13th, 1851. His parents named him John Joseph Clem, which is a cool name, and they originally named him John Joseph Clem with a K, but he changed it so that his last name was spelled Clem with a C. He thought this sounded a little more American. And nowadays everyone's changing C's to K's, you know, up is down, like everything's all mixed up. Dogs and cats sleeping together pandemonium in the streets. It's bonkers. I had a friend growing up whose name was Clem, and it wasn't short for anything. It doesn't sound like a name that would be short for something. Like like Clement. Clemson or Clementine. Mm -hmm. Just Clem. Or Clemjamin. I like (laughs) Clemjamin. No, it's true. Um, So he uh, would later actually, he he was obviously a huge fan of changing things about his name because he would uh, later add Lincoln um, to replace his Christian given middle name. Uh, And they were vegetable farmers. That was their stock and trade. And uh, John was the guy that would kind of be their door-to-door salesman going from home to home in the little burg where he grew up selling fresh produce. Yeah, and his younger siblings would tag along with him. Unfortunately, their mother, Magdalene, was hit by a train in 1861 and passed away. Uh, John's father remarried. There's a guy named Roman Clem. Uh, And, you know, this wasn't some horrible fairy tale with an evil stepmother. She was fine with the kids, but John soon struck out uh, to make his own way at a very young age. Age. His childhood is essentially, at this point, just a montage of him attempting to join the army. He wanted to be in military service ever since the Confederate rebels fired on Fort Sumter, which officially started the Civil War here in the U.S. He approached the 3rd Ohio Regiment of Volunteers when they were passing through Newark, and he asked the commanding officer to take him on. He said, look, just let me be your drummer, boy. And according to Clem, in uh, from nursery to battlefield, which he wrote himself, uh, he when he asked the commanding officer to take him on, he said, 
He looked me over, laughed, and said he wasn't enlisting infants. That's a pretty definitive pass, right? That's a pretty hard pass on the kid. But Clem did not give up. And he actually, uh, he'd been thinking about this for a minute because he had asked this of his father, Roman, um, as uh, as mentioned in that very same letter that you were talking about, Ben. He says, Father, I'd like mighty well to be a drummer boy. Can I go into the Union Army? Tut, what nonsense, boy, replied father. You are not yet in yours old. Yeah, and uh, I love that little drummer boy, uh, American drummer boy has like a British schoolboy accent. But of course he does. I love that people are still saying Tut. This is back when Tut was in play. Tut is still <laughs> in play, thanks to you, Ben. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I feel like sometimes our friend groups, you know, I told you I got banned from using it with one friend group. What? Right? Yeah. Who does that? Who, who bans you from using a but word? My very close friends who are doing their best. They're doing God's work. <laughs> well, I'm going to start referring to you as King Tut. Oh, boy. <laughs> so this is funny. I like this scene you set here, Noel, because it's a dinnertime conversation, right? As recalled by John's sister, Elizabeth. His dad shuts him down when he's like, you know, why can't I go to the Union Army? And I love that voice, by the way. But Papa, mm-hmm. Papa, I so very much want to be a drummer boy. And so they finish eating, and John says, I'm going to go out for a swim. And what he means by that is, I'm going to run away from home. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a great euphemism. That's like the the dad, the the deadbeat dad that goes for cigarettes. It's the drummer boy version of going for smokes. Yes, sir. And this wasn't uncommon. You know, we, we read a lot about the horrors of child soldiers in the modern day. But we have to remember this occurred in earlier eras as well. And the Civil War was no different. It was not uncommon for kids as young as 14 to go and actually fight as soldiers. And uh, some sometimes it would be a family affair, like a, a father or grandfather would come with one of their younger children, and the army would accept both of them. I mean, child soldiers is sort of like a tale as old as time, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's something that we've seen in sort of warlord-type countries like in Africa, for example, in more recent times. Right, exactly. And in previous empires, we've also seen child soldiers. So in in that essay we mentioned earlier, From Nursery to Battlefield, Clem says he took a train to Cincinnati, and that's where he approached the Michigan Regiment, the 22nd. And they rejected him at first as well, but he just didn't give up. He just kept following them around. And they said, you're not part of our crew. And he just kept walking in their wake. Eventually, they let him be their drummer boy, but they couldn't legally put him on the payroll because he was too young. Wait, presumably when he's tagging along, pulling at their coat, is he also beating his little drum? Yeah, I guess he brought a drum with him, but it's it's shady. It's really sketchy because— the adults decided that they would they since they couldn't legally pay a child soldier they decided that they would just dig into their pockets and give him $13 a month out of their own cash a month you say do we even have any frame of reference to inflation calculator it's tough. that yeah, yeah. it's tough know. it's more know. than $13 now yeah. <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> still Pretty much a, a, a pittance. Sure. A, a sub-pittance. He's Let's not, see. yeah, he's not getting uh, rich off this. But, yeah, they, they gave him his own soldier's uniform, and they had to, you know, cut it down. Cut it tailor down it. from a man-sized uniform. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they didn't make, they didn't, they didn't make child-sized uniforms. That'd be weird. That would be a very strange thing. So they did it at least this once. Exactly. And uh, it's strange because John Clem became a private on May 1st, 
1863, he was 11 years old. How much responsibility did you have when you were 11? You don't have to answer that. I wonder if you feel put on the spot, or you either, JJ, or you listening. But I'm thinking, like, I was trash when I was 11. I was in Boy Scouts, I guess. That's a, that's, that's a responsibility, though. You know, it's a responsibility to your pack, to your pack master. Is that what they call it? Pack leader? Den leader? Den mother? Well, sure, yeah. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm being unfair to myself, but I just I may call it a different time. I could, I could have dealt with Boy Scouts, but I don't know how I would have dealt with being a soldier at the age of 11. You know, you well, wanna... you would have been more prepared than some with the skills that you learned from Boy Scouts. <laughs> I'm going to say you, you would have been able to navigate the woods yeah. in, in a pinch. Who needs a knot? <laughs> yeah, I got you. You would have at least been able to tie a knot in order to mount your tiny drum right. on your slight frame yeah. and follow around the, the soldiers. I would have been annoyed, wouldn't you? They're guys following you around beating a drum. I'm like, kid. Dispense with the drumming. I have to say, I, I guess it's for morale and it's for people to have a sense of rhythm when they're marching. Mm-hmm. But I never I never got the, the drummer boy thing. Mm. I just didn't get it. No. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off the that's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. 
Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know who also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? Well, I think you know. Hmm. It's Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only you know you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. But uh, we know that he didn't stay a drummer boy, right? He became no. He becomes a uh private, not a pirate. And then later he becomes a legend. Is that true? It absolutely is true. So yeah, after the big the big boy battle, Gettysburg, that's the one people remember. Um, I think Chickamauga was up there too, because it's, it's fun to say. People likely remember it for that reason alone, but it was also a huge battle. It was the second highest body count of any battle in the Civil War, but Gettysburg is just so iconic. I think it's easy for number two to fall by the wayside. Any Civil War buffs out there are going to hand me my hat and then tell me that I'm absolutely full, full of it. But, um, you know, not being a Civil War buff, um, I was not as aware of the events of Chickamauga. Um, so here's the thing. On September 18th in 1863, the Union and Confederate forces absolutely shredded each other. Uh, and this was surrounding the Chickamauga Creek right here in Georgia. Mm-hmm, that's true. In North Georgia. Yeah. The Confederate forces were there to stop the Union from marching southward. And uh, they succeeded, but at a grisly and profound cost. At the end of the battle, 34,000 people were dead, 34,000 soldiers, right? And John Clem and his pals in the 22nd Michigan were part of the group that beat back the Union advance. And he says from his essay, where a lot of our information is coming from, he says, at Chickamauga, I carried a musket, the barrel of which had been sawed off to a length suitable to my size. That's why. That's that why. makes sense. Yeah. He wasn't like Terminator style, single-handedly <laughs> blasting fools. Right. No. He probably still had to hold it two-handed. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a bit of a sight to behold with like his sort of weird, baggy, oversized, trimmed down uniform and his little drum and his little tiny musket situation. I mean, this kid had some stones, my friend. Yeah. And There's a weird human moment here in the middle of this bloody battle. There's a Confederate colonel, and he sees this tiny boy in his Union uniform with his rifle, and the colonel apparently runs up to the boy and says, surrender, you damned little Yankee. And then he says, I think the best thing a mite of a chap like you can do is drop that gun. And so what does Clem do? He shoots the colonel. And then he runs away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he becomes a legend. Yeah, shooting the colonel, that should also be a euphemism for something. I, I don't know what. Right, yeah. right. You really shot the colonel on that one, bud. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, so he gets promoted 
and now he's a sergeant. Mm-hmm. He's 12 years he's a old. 12 year old sergeant. <laughs> this is bonkers. I love the way he describes it in another one of his essays. Um, he says that this gentleman wrote up and, and told him to, he said, Surrender, you damn little Yankee. He's like, no one calls me a damn little Yankee, and then he blasts him. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't drop his gun and, and give up and be taken. He actually shot this guy right up his horse. And word spread about this pint-sized uh, new officer, um, and he kind of became almost like a symbol. Yeah, yeah. They started calling him the drummer boy of Chickamauga. Yeah, it, it, this was great PR for the Union forces, which were relatively demoralized. Uh, regarding the news of the Georgian front. And he was a celebrity. He was their version of a wartime celebrity. Some people in Chicago got the kids' measurements from his pals in the 22nd Michigan Infantry, and they gave him a new handmade uniform. I guess they just wanted to help out the effort. However, all was not rosy headlines and union praise for Clem. He soon fell into the very dark, dangerous side of the Civil War. He was already inundated in this violence and this chaos, but in October of 1863, he was actually captured by Confederate forces. It's true. It's true, Ben. But thankfully, um, we don't know too much about what happened. Well, maybe we do. Is it, is it in his uh, essays? He probably wrote an essay about it. He seemed like a pretty pretty mouthy little kid. Um, <laughs> right. In a good way. I mean, I mean that he, in a good he wrote- way. The essay later. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he was eventually released as, as part of a, a prisoner exchange, like an exchange of hostages, basically. Um, and then he went on to continue under uh, General George H. Thomas's Army of the Cumberland. And he himself sustained injuries uh, several times during battle, um, during uh, the Battle of Kennesaw and Murfreesboro. I love Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. You want to say Murfreesboro, but it's Murfreesboro. That's how they get you. Yeah, Tennessee, uh, Perryville, and Atlanta, right here in good old Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and then he got out in 1864. And he was a teenager. Oh, we should say he didn't languish away in the Confederate prison. He was only there for two months. And he was mainly used as propaganda. But you're right, Noel. When he gets out, he's a teenager. He goes back to high school. He graduates in 1870, and he probably has, you know, that thousand-league stare so common to a lot of people who've been through traumatic events. One would imagine. One would imagine, Ben. And it's true. Like you said, he went back to high school. He graduated, but he had a taste. He had the the taste of the soldier's life at this point. Like, he wasn't – I mean, I don't know. I don't think you can go through something like that during such formative years right? and not – Actually, I, let me rephrase that. I would think you would never want to do it ever, ever, ever again. But he obviously was suited for this life, and he decided to, to make it a life's goal for him, or at least a next step in his, in his life, to enter the U.S. Military Academy. Yeah, he achieved the rank of commander, captain of the Washington Rifles in 1871. But, you know, he, he thought that he would be able to enter the U.S. Military Academy as kind of a formality. However, there were there were some complications. His experience, in a way, worked against him because entry to places like West Point is based on academic achievement rather than combat experience. Which is crazy. Well, it's not. I, mean, I don't know. Crazy is not the right word, but it's like if anyone should have been admitted to a military academy, it was this kid, right? I mean, he had mm-hmm. actual real world experience that you can't buy. You know, you can definitely run drills and, you know, march in the yard and everything, but this kid had actually seen it and tasted it, like the actual hell that is war. And he had been in the field of battle since 
he was a child, right? As you said, it was a formative period. He left school before he was 10 years old. He failed the entrance exam to West Point because, of course, he did. Because he hadn't been to school in years. Instead, he fought for his country. You know, I mean, come on. Give the kid a give the kid a, a hall pass on this one, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, he still had his fame. So it looked like his career might be over. He might be a Civil War hero retiring at the ripe old age of twenty. But because he was such a prominent figure during wartime, he was able to secure an audience with Ulysses S. Grant, who was then president. And Clem was well known at the time, so Grant was. Definitely aware of who he was, and Clem makes some claims in his essays and in some of his speeches regarding his interaction with Grant. Uh, He says when President Grant learned that he failed the entrance exam, Grant said, you know, harumph, harumph, we can do better than that. And he appointed Clem second lieutenant in the 24th U.S. Infantry in December of 1871. So he said, they basically said, look— Forget the schoolwork and the bureaucracy. Let's just get you back where you belong. And this was the beginning of a very long career in the military, a very long official career. That's right. He started off as a first lieutenant, and then he graduated from a different military school, an artillery school at Fort Monroe. And then he uh, married Anita Rosetta French. By the way, this is all from a fantastic article in historycollection.com called The Incredible Story of a 12-Year-Old Civil War Hero. Um, He went on to continue getting promotions, and he eventually became a captain in 1882, and then he became a, a quartermaster, which is a position that I wasn't super familiar with, but I believe it has to do with maintaining, like, uh, stocks of artillery. Isn't that right? You have all the stuff. Yeah. Quartermaster is, like, a real, a real powerful position. This is the person in charge of quarters, where you sleep. Right. Rations, the things you eat, clothing, uh, other supplies, including, I, I would imagine at this time, armament. Yeah. He did actually, eventually, uh, attain the rank of major. Mm-hmm. Which is a big deal. Uh, in 1895, he received many commendations, serving with distinction in the American Indian Wars against uh, the Native Americans. He got a, a medal called the Indian Campaign Medal. Um, he was also injured in that conflict in 1899. Yes, and his career continued. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. 
And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch. So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch? So we dug in, and after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Can you believe that? Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online, and by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 1899, his first wife dies. He eventually remarries a daughter of a Confederate veteran, oddly enough, Bessie Sullivan, in 1903. He is active during this time in the Spanish-American War, 1898. Uh, he is promoted to lieutenant colonel in 1901. Two and a half years later, he's a colonel. And then he becomes the chief quartermaster at Fort Sam Houston, from 1906 to 1911, he's retired in 1915, but even after he's retired, he's given the rank of brigadier general. Apparently, this sounds weird to us today, right? But apparently, during this time, it was customary to promote Civil War veterans this way. Once they reach the rank of colonel, they're retired, they get promoted to brigadier general. He was the last American Civil War veteran still serving in the U.S. Army when he retired, which makes sense because he started when he was like 10. It absolutely makes sense. And what's crazy to me is he he didn't pass away until May of 1937, which is actually the year my father was born, uh, which is just for perspective here, right? Wow, history is crazy. His history is nuts. My father was a little on the older side, but still crazy to think that their paths – somehow crossed historically speaking you know in terms of occupying uh the same time space yeah yeah if only for a moment and today you can visit the memorial or the grave of john Klim over in arlington national cemetery there's a six-foot bronze statue of him 
uh, standing close to the Buckingham Meeting House in his hometown of Newark as well, if you happen to pass through there. And we've talked a lot about John's adventures, right? His close calls with danger, his triumphs and his trials, but we haven't really looked into his own perspective. And while he was glad to serve his country and certainly considered himself a patriot, we also know that he understood the insidious, evil nature of war. Uh, We have a line about it that he wrote himself where he says, war is bald, naked savagery. As compared with the adult man, the boy is near to the savage. But he had some views on child soldiers that might surprise you. A little bit problematic today. Yeah. Uh, um, in that HistoryCollection.com article, they cite a perspective of Clem's that, yeah, as you say, Ben, was, was problematic at best. Um, he believed that boys, in fact, made the best soldiers because they're so eager to Please. It's terrible. Yeah. And and referred to this notion that they hadn't yet developed uh, what he called the spirit of caution <laughs> that adults, you know, self-preservation. I'm sure he had things to say about how they can fit in small spaces, too. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's weird, though. I, I guess I can see where he's coming from with it. Because he's probably like, well, I'm a child soldier and I turned out great. No, you're not a child soldier anymore. <laughs> right. Clem. You're you, an old man. <laughs> you happen to survive. Yeah, exactly. So it's strange because it gives us a look in a, a, into a terrible, uh, terrible aspect of that war. And as we said, a terrible aspect of many wars. The Civil War was called the Boys' War because of all the children that were enlisted in the armed forces. But, it, it, you know, as we said, it wasn't new. And... Some people in the country were torn about it. President Lincoln was not a fan of child soldiers, but he had a weird way of phrasing it. He wrote to the Secretary of the Navy at the time, Gideon Wells, and he said, the United States don't need the service of boys who disobey their parents. His main thing was, if your parents tell you not to run away, you should listen to your folks. Also notice, this is an interesting small thing. He used don't instead of doesn't. Like today, we refer to the United States as a singular entity, but back then people referred to it just as a group of states. So instead of the United States doesn't need this, it's the United States don't. Interesting. I bet that really fascinated you. I know you're a big fan of uh, grammar history. It's weird. It's a weird one. Yeah, for sure. I like referring to them as these United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just sounds. It just sounds nice. It's got a nice Vanna White Uh feel too. Like we're presenting them. These these United United States. States. Yeah. No, it's very true. Um, And I always typically wear a very slim, sparkly dress when I do so. You know, HR might get on to me for this, but I think it looks great on you. Fetching. I, you know, I, I would say. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ben. It, it, like, you, you cut a, a good figure with oh, it. Oh, thanks, man. You know? <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so. I've been doing a lot of Pilates. <laughs> so this, this is our, uh, this is where the tale of John Clem, Civil War hero, draws to a close. Little drummer boy, uh, sawed off shotgun, baggy uniform wearing child soldier, badass, slightly problematic old man. 
Old Johnny Shiloh, as mm-hmm. he was also called. Is uh, that right? Yeah, yeah. That's there, a good one. There was a Disney film that used Johnny Shiloh as the title. It was about him. And there's this rumor that he was in the Battle of Shiloh and had a close call and shrapnel went through his drum. Anyway, long story short, it's probably, that's not true. It's not even probably not true. It's He wasn't there. No. Okay. But, but don't man. let that ruin a good name. Johnny Shiloh. Johnny Shiloh is pretty solid. It sounds like <laughs> when Johnny Shiloh comes to town, it sounds like uh, he walks into a restaurant and like the music stops yeah. and someone turns around. Everyone and, turns around. Yeah. Someone drops a glass and someone else is like, you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here, Johnny Shiloh. Johnny Shiloh. <laughs> That's pretty good. It also makes me think of someone that would be like in a mob crew or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. No doubt about it. He's um, like the one guy who's not Italian. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's the bag man. He's the bag man. Always. You love a bag man. I love a good bag man. And I love a good Civil War story. And that's it for this one. But uh, as you would say, not it for our show. Yes, hopefully not. As as a whole. As a whole. That's it for this this edition of our show. Unless we get replaced by like hardcore nine to ten year old podcasters who are also drummer boys. Wow. That's a pretty good idea, actually. I mean, it's, you know, as far as ways to go, it's not that bad. But the conversation continues. We want to hear from you. What are some other little-known stories of child soldiers? This one is interesting in that the nation as a whole sort of got behind it and and supported this idea. It's also interesting because it has a more or less happy ending, right? Right. Typically stories of child soldiers involve like indoctrinating, you know, kids who have nowhere else to go and forcing them to support a cause that uh, is is questionable and and not in their best interest a lot of the time, yeah. right? And then they, you know, they they're cannon fodder. Right. And they're or they're inducted into this army by having their family killed. You know what I mean? And they're given the choice to fight or to die. It's it's a terrible, terrible thing. And it, it, is, uh, it is somewhat unique that this has a happy ending. We want to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Our favorite part of the show, or our favorite part of the Facebooks at least, is our community page, Ridiculous Historians. Yeah, admittedly, we're a little bit biased, but it's a fun group. Right. Maybe a tad bias. Come hang out. We hang out there. It's true. I mean, we're not just saying that. Like, we definitely float around. Uh, We absolutely read every post, and we occasionally get in there and engage. So if you want to do that, uh, go on over to Facebook and search for Ridiculous Historians. And I think you just have to say me or Ben's name and walk around in a a, a counterclockwise circle. Wittershins. Wittershins? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yes, it's true. Wittershins. I never get to use that word. It's walking counterclockwise. it's a way of walking. It's a really specific way of walking. Isn't that weird? Wittershins. It's very weird. You can also find us on our personal Instagrams if you want to see our various uh, different adventures. As we said, uh, we are both going to be traveling a lot separately and together in the coming days. Uh, so I am at Ben Bolin. And I am at How Now Noel Brown. Uh, big thanks to our super guest producer, JJ. Woo! Pause for the cause. Pauseway. Cause for the pause. Cause for the pause. Cause for the pause. For the pause. He really. He's the cause. He's the reason that you stop dead in your tracks. That you pause for the cause. Pause for the cause and and, and remark upon his greatness. Um, Thanks to uh, super producer Casey Pegram here in spirit. He's here in the building, um, but he had something that that pulled him away. Yeah, he just keeps sending us these weird snarky messages. Yeah, with some very problematic gifts. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Labouche. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to Alex Williams who composed our track. 
Thanks to our brain trust, I think we can start calling them that, Christopher Hasiotis, Eve's Jeff Coat, uh, who recently appeared on that fantastic Uncle Tom's Cabin episode. Uh, thanks, of course, to Gabe Luzier. And uh, thanks to you, Noel. I'm glad that we did not grow up during the Civil War. No joke, man. Oh, that was a hard knock life. Uh, we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.